0: Hello and welcome to York. I'm Susan Spence. Thank you for downloading the Holiday in York City Guide podcast. During my trip, I stayed at the Holiday in York, but there's also an express by Holiday in York East, situated only two and a half miles from the city centre and just off the A64. Express is a comfortable, low-cost alternative, but still maintains the same standards you've come to expect from a Holiday Inn and offers complimentary continental breakfast and free parking for all guests. Just before we start to explore York, let me tell you how you can receive up to 35% off your next weekend stay at any of our Holiday Inn properties. Just visit our website, ihg.com forward slash podcast. That's ihg.com forward slash podcast for all the details. During your visit to this lovely city you'll walk in the footsteps of Romans and Vikings. Steeped in history, York is renowned for its stunning architecture, tangle of quaint cobbled streets and of course the iconic York Minster. Visit one of the many attractions like the famous Orvik Centre or the York Dungeon and then watch the world go by while sipping a drink on the river or having a coffee in one of the many pavement cafes. So I'm in York city centre now I'm at uh, Minster gates a sort of quaint little tangle of of cobbled streets and in front of me also York Minster. Now York itself is probably one of the easiest cities to explore on foot and I have my own personal guide for the day and that is Keith Mohern from the Visit York tourist centre. Uh, Keith, thank you very much for showing me round. Um, first of all before we get going, tell
1: us a little bit about the history of York. Okay, well the history of York said George VI is the history of England. It, it couldn't have been more right. It really is a fantastic city if you want to explore history. Of course it started with the Romans. They came here in 71 AD, nearly 2,000 years ago now. They stayed till about the 5th century. We've got lots of evidence of the Romans actually being here That that of course next period is what we call the Dark Ages, the Angles and the Saxons Until 866 was the actual year when the Vikings came Lots of nasty things for a short while before finally settling down Which we will look at later on Um, And then we move into what we call the Norman period 1066 obviously again was a very important year in English history Lots of things happened in York around then and the Normans slowly moving to what we call medieval, which, to be fair, is what people actually associate York with. They say it's a medieval city. Of course, it had all this past and history beforehand, but there's all the buildings that you see around as you're walking around are really all medieval buildings
0: so we're going to start our tour at york minster now this is a huge building it towers over all of the city Uh, before we go inside it would be a bit silly to say it's steeped in history because it's been here for so long but it it is a focal point for the whole city isn't it
1: absolutely yeah referred to quite often as the jewel in york's crown and, and quite rightly so
0: Well, we've now walked into York Minster and, well, this is absolutely magnificent. I don't know which way for my eyes to turn first. Uh, up The way to see the, the wonderful ceiling, uh, we've got f- some fantastic stained glass windows. And also, there are just so many little nooks and crannies that if you didn't know what you were doing or where you were going, you'd miss them all. Um, Keith, first of all, tell us the story behind York
1: Minster. OK, well, you've got to go back to the 7th century. Um, the Romans have gone. It's the time of the Angles and the Saxons. And England is now divided into seven areas, each area having its own king. Nobody believes in God apart from the people in Kent. Their king is Ethelburg. Now, he has a daughter, who I can only assume was quite a good-looking daughter, called Ethelburga, Because King Edwin, who was king of this area, Northumbria, where we are, he took a fancy to Ethelburga and he asked her dad if he could marry her. Her dad said, yes, if you bring her bishop with her to York and you get baptised, build a church, then you can marry my daughter. And Edwin said, yes. This is why I can only presume she was very good looking. Um, her bishop, Paul Linus came with her, and this first church was built. Now, because he was um, a missionary, he... His church, if you like, it had the title of Minster, meaning Headquarters for Christian Teaching, that's how it translates. And about every 20 miles or so, you'd have another church with that title. Um, this is actually also a cathedral because it has a seat in it called a cathedra. Its correct name is the Church and Metropolitical Cathedral of St Peter in York. That's why we just call it the Minster, it's much easier. Um, The church just went through a few changes, there was about four different versions, until finally the Normans came, they destroyed the Minster, which many people felt was on this exact site, but it was probably just over the road, very, very close to it. They built one on this site, um, and it stood here, it still is standing here, because the one that we're in now, the present Minster, is built around the Norman Cathedral. Now normally you'd be looking at about 60 years for a church this size. It started in 1220 and it took 252 years to complete, so it went through all three different periods of Gothic architecture and it is a Gothic cathedral. Um, it's, It's the largest Gothic cathedral in the north of Europe.
0: We are sitting in the Chapter House at the moment, but one thing I noticed that coming through York Minster is that there are so many things to see and do that you wouldn't want to miss. What types of things would you recommend to people coming here that they must see before they leave? Well...
1: You are quite right. It's a huge building. It's very, very easy to miss things, like the chapter house where we're sitting now, um, used as a meeting room. I recommend just, just come in, have a quick look, and you know, really be in awe of, of the fantastic building that it is here. But also, um, it is an attraction, the Minster, as well as, obviously, it's first and foremost a church, um, but we have the, the central tower you can actually go to the top of the tower, 275 steps, fantastic views of the city, and we also have the Undercroft and Crypt, which really was, a lot of it was discovered, if you like, if I can use that word, when the central tower was actually collapsing. 1968 and it was going to fall down so they had to dig underneath and put in huge concrete pads 10,000 tonnes of concrete to support and hold the tower and they found the remains of the Roman headquarters underneath here the Minster and they're all on display now as are all the treasures and and the crypt in fact it is a museum underneath the Minster which is missed quite often
0: We've just come out of York Minster, down the steps. And right opposite, you'll see a little lane. It's called Minster Gates. We've walked through there, just down into Stonegate. Now, this is a lovely little paved area. Old cottages either side. Lots of quaint little shops. Now, as you get halfway down, you'll see in the distance, the old Star Inn. It's kind of like a wooden barrier across the street, connecting the two sides. Just stop there, and you'll notice on the left-hand side... A little red devil. Now, this little red devil, apparently, after York Minster, is the most photographed thing in York.
1: Yeah, he is. You stole my line, by the way, then. <laughs> um, he, basically, he goes back to medieval times. Um, obviously, a lot of people couldn't read so they have signs to depict what the areas were and just down this alleyway that was the area of the printers and they have the red devil t- to show that it's the area of the printers because the apprentice that worked with the printers got the nickname the printer's devil probably because after everything, all the type had been set a lot of the letters were moved around and he got the blame so that's where the name comes from that's why we have the red devil but he's very old Yeah, he's, he's absolutely um, one of the characters in York I could just mention the pub as well, as you said there, the Old Star Inn. It is the oldest inn in York. It's always had a licence, certainly since 1644, probably a little bit earlier. But the pub is actually behind the other buildings. Where it now stands, down like the little snicket at the side, um, that was the front of Stonegate in the 1800s. But the licensee built his house in front. When the next licensee came along, obviously other people had done the same as you know, covering down the street... He felt that the pub was was missing something, it was behind, hidden away, nobody knew it was there. So he came up with the idea of putting this sign across the road, what we call a beam or a gallows sign. Because he didn't own the buildings that it's attached to, he had to drop a contract and he promised to pay the three men who own the buildings five shillings each every year. But being a good old Yorkshireman, he added something to the contract that they had to spend those five shillings. Back in his pub. Stone Gate, of course, is, is, it is the oldest street in York because it was used by the Romans and it gets its name Stone Gate. Ga- Gate comes from a, a Viking word, Gata, which means street, and because it was the first paved stone street in York, so Stone Gate, Stone Street. Um, and of course, we're going to carry on down there now to a um, beautiful place, St Helens Square, where the Mansion House stands, and also one of York's most famous institutions, Betty's Cafe. So here we are now St Helens Square and right on the corner is Betty's Cafe um, famous for many things it's traditional methods of actually serving afternoon teas and the waitresses are dressed very nicely in their pinafores but it can quite often be very busy lots of queues because it is so popular people wanting to experience their the Betty's way of life, if you like. It's famous for making lots of handmade chocolates as well, but it's probably more famous for um, one of its most simple items, which is basically a scone, a scone, which we call the Fat Rascal.
0: Well, we're now in the Jorvik Centre, which is probably one of the most popular attractions in York. We've come down the stairs, we're underground into kind of like a cave-like situation. Uh, Keith, explain to me first of all the significance of the Jorvik Centre and actually what's involved while we're here
1: yeah, what it was in the 1980s, there was a big dig going to happen before a shopping centre was built outside in Coppergate. And so they gave them permission to, to really go further than they'd gone before. And it was absolute pure luck. They found the remains of a Viking settlement. The soil preserved the timbers in the bottom of the houses. Um, so the, the dig just got bigger and bigger. They realised the fire was so huge, they couldn't just cover it up. Um, so, they rebuilt a Viking village underground, underneath the shopping centre. And really, we go around on a time car experiencing all the sights and smells of what actually would have been here in Viking York, as they called it, Yortrick. <laughs>
0: we've just gotten in the little car that's going to take us round through the Jorvik scene and one thing to note is that you will be able to listen to a commentary as you go round about all the different scenes that we're going to see and the interesting thing to note is there are various different languages that you will be able to listen to this in and also, quite interestingly enough uh, there's actually a kiddies version as well so uh, it is an ideal place of course that you would bring the children and they too can sit and listen and have their own special version of what's going on here at Jorvik
1: yeah, it's, it's going to take us around now, the reconstruction of the actual village. Um, it's supposed to be exactly where the, actual, the houses were as they discovered them. And of course, it's not just the reconstruction of the village, it's a reconstruction of everything, as you'll see. But it is bit- a
0: little bit pongy, actually. They've done really well by recreating
1: that kind of thing, haven't they? Yeah, yeah they have. They've done a good job, as you'll see. Yeah, we, we go past, without blowing the turn too much, we actually do go past um, a gentleman on the toilet. <laughs> and you know exactly where he is. Um, You can see as we're going past here now, um, this is an original hut. This is designed for the 866 sort of of the Vikings being here, and right next to it, then is a modern hook because we've jumped on about another 50 60 years now, so it's showing you now um, how the Vikings actually evolved around here as well. See, we actually get that when we go into the museum at the end. After the ride, there is a museum, it's full of all the finds that they actually found. I mean, lots of these things are around about here you can see the malls using the, the guy we're going past now doing the wood turning quite a few of those things, uh, exact copies of what they actually found, which are on display here. And what it did, it, it finally proved to the archaeologists, gave evidence that those Vikings that came, yes, there was lots of fighting and, and battling at the beginning, but they eventually settled down and they started to trade and actually lived as ordinary as people would, and they weren't just all these, these fierce warriors that everybody knows Vikings to be.
0: Oh dear, and now we've come round to the man on the toilet,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and let's just say the smell has just gotten even worse. So you can see as we're coming down the last part of, of the street now in, uh, in Jordvik and there's a, well, what somebody might see is a familiar face, just on the left, there's a, one of the Vikings dressed in green, and he's wearing um, a bit of a strange looking badge, it's actually the Viking version of uh, a Blue Peter badge. And he was actually a presenter on Blue Peter. He came here, helped out, and they took a model of his face and they've, they've put him here as a Viking. Most of the models that are here are actually all taken from um, bone structure they actually found. So you really are looking at um, Vikings or people that actually lived here in the city of York.
0: we've stopped for a drink at Stonegate Yard Bar and Brasserie but I have noticed Keith as we've been wandering along there's a huge array of places you could sit outside in Pavement Cafe watch the world go by plenty of different restaurants um, old and new and of course you've got all the oldie worldie pubs as well but Stonegate Yard, there's a little bit of a story behind this one.
1: Well there is, it's just opened up, there's been a a pub here for quite a long time, a very popular pub, closed down and and left and moved around the corner. A lot of people thought oh what a shame, why is it gone? We realise now as this one's opened back up what a fantastic building this is because it gives it some real atmosphere. It wasn't the pub that was here before that was great, it's the building and the atmosphere that's great as well. It's not changed much, it's just had a, a bit of a refit. It's just hard to decide where to go for something to eat and drink in York. Not just because of the quality of the food but because of the atmosphere and the quality of the buildings and the people who work in them and and what's York like at night it changes a lot but in a nice way it, it does come alive the people come out when they finish work they come out for a drink early evening and in places like we are now and they relax and once it gets to about eight o'clock the ghost walks obviously very very popular in York families go out on the ghost walks it, it, you know it is a big family thing and then, of course, once it gets to about half past nine, ten o'clock, the city sort of comes alive in a different way. Then the bars and restaurants—almost like it's like the change around. Obviously, there are bars you can go for. We have very popular bars um, down by the river. We have we have almost our Riviera touch, if you like, down there for for great bars. Um, it's, it's a good—it's a real good city to come and have a drink in and, and have a meal all the way through the evening.
0: Well, I'm in York Market now, and there's a huge amount of stalls selling everything that you can possibly think of. What has caught my eye, though, is the, the cheese and chutney store. I have to say I'm a bit of a fan of cheese. I'm here at Fromagerie D with uh, D, who is the cheese lady. Um, D, if uh, coming here to York, if uh, somebody wanted to buy something local, what would you be recommending?
2: Um, probably the most local cheese is the uh, Wensleydale from Hawes. People in Yorkshire eat it with fruitcake a lot, very popular on Yorkshire Day, extremely popular at Christmas time. Next to that is probably Coverdale, which is a bit more creamy. And then Shepherd's Purse is a local company doing Yorkshire Blue. Then there's Ribblesdale Goat and obviously all the other Wensdale ranges, the Wednesdaydale Blue, and the tourists often buy the truckles to take home as far afield as America. And what is a truckle? A truckle is um, a 200-gram piece of Wednesdaydale, either plain or in sheep's milk or with flavours in, covered in wax with a label on the back that gives a sell-by date, so it's very good protection and great for a present.
0: Now, as somebody, who lives and works in York, what would you say is the best thing about being in the city
2: York has so many nooks and crannies and it has a functioning outside market it's got um, Parliament Street that attracts lots and lots of people it's a great city it's got loads of character it's fantastic
0: right we're now in the York dungeon we're in the torture chamber and I'm with Stuart who is uh, dressed well how are you dressed,
3: Europe? Just dressed as a Viking at the moment. We've just launched a new feature called Bloody Vikings. So, uh, kind of concentrating on the the, yeah, the gruesome side of the Vikings rather than the farming and the making coins and all that.
0: So, tell us, what, what happens here at, at York Dungeon? There are lots of sounds, there are lots of, we can, in the background, we can hear somebody as if they're chopping bones. What, what exactly if uh, what the visitors come here, what can they expect?
3: Well, basically, it's a gruesome tour through the history of York. It's all led by live actors, so you go in a group a Around the building from show to show, actor to actor, and each actor tells you a story about the various darker aspects of York's history.
0: Well, on my way in, I heard lots of screaming. Why would that be?
3: Uh, well, you start off in the sixteenth century, uh, in sixteenth-century York, uh, the plague of York. There, uh, then you're sent down to a uh, well, the Golden Fleece, a haunted pub. Uh, then you go into the Labyrinth of the Lost, where you'll probably get lost for quite a bit. Uh, then there's our new Viking feature, Bloody Vikings. After that, you're sent to a seventeenth-century court of law, where you're judged for your sins and probably found wanting. And then you're sent here to the torture chamber, which is so I can hear the screaming around here. Uh, after that you'll hear the story of guy fawkes a york lad born and bred and finally you'll see dick turpin hang for his crimes
0: great well Stuart, thank you very much i'm going to make my way through whether i get out the other side well we'll just have to see good luck well we managed to make it out of the dungeons and now we are in uh well what we call the shambles which is a very quaint cobbled street with lots of little different
1: shops what's the significance steeped in history i imagine keith It is, yeah. It gets its name shambles from two old English words, flesh, hamels, flesh meaning meat. Hamels was tables, the benches on which the meat sat. So it tells you flesh hamels became shambles, known as a street of the butchers. Every single shop down here was a butcher shop. Of course, we use the word now shambles to say, look at the state of that, what a mess. So it gives you an idea of what, what the street was like. It was a horrible, dirty depressing, filthy street. Uh, To make it even more depressing and filthy, you can see that the houses actually lean out quite a lot. It's called Jetted Out. Um, That was somewhere nice to hang the meat underneath, but it was also because people were throwing everything out of the windows. All the waste from the the kitchen, the toilet, was thrown out into the street. The animals were ran up the street, killed in the backs of all the shops. So their blood was running out literally into the gutter. the The central part where the cobbles are, runs down looking beautiful, was an open sewer. You'll be pleased to know it was washed down twice a week, but it was a very historical street. and uh, We don't have any butchers down here now, so it's, it's as you can see, it's, it's much nicer.
0: Well, we're coming to the end of our walking tour of York, and uh, we're just heading out one of the gates. We've actually been along the way, hopping up and down part of the city wall, which is a great way to see a different side of the city. We've told you all about the various attractions and the shops and that kind of thing, but if you go up onto the wall you can actually see the city in in a completely different light and you get that real sense of history because these are
1: the original walls keith Yeah, they are, absolutely. Um, They've been altered a little bit because they they were built in medieval times as a defence, obviously, to keep people out. I mean, the Romans were the first people to to do something, but what what you see today is the medieval version built on top of the Romans. Uh, But we still have four gateways, like the Romans did, to get in and out of the city. They obviously barred people from coming in, which is why they're called bars. Um, Each has its own story. Basically, what happened in the 1800s, the walls had no purpose anymore we weren't going to be attacked they weren't going to do any good so they started to take the walls down now thankfully the people then who were Victorians they saved the walls and they repaired them And they added the pathway for us to walk on. Um, It's hard to believe, but York wasn't a very nice place in Victorian times, a bit dirty. And tourism, as as crazy as it sounds, was actually coming to York in the 1800s. We had railways, we had these big houses, Victorian people were visiting their friends. And what better way to walk around, to view the city, than than literally walking around the walls? It, It was created, the pathway for pleasure and that's exactly what we do today people just walk on it two and a half miles altogether now there is only one section that was actually knocked down unfortunately um, before these repairs took place Um, and you have to get off a couple of other times but they were all natural breaks where there was a river or a marsh to protect us basically the walls are just about practically intact it'd take you about an hour and a half two hours if you take your time but it really is a fantastic way to get around to the city
0: and uh, as a final point Keith, thank you very much for showing me your city we, we've had a, a wonderful time and there's so much to see and do here uh, before i leave you though uh, tell me what's your favorite thing about york
1: um, i would say what we've mentioned already obviously the bars and the restaurants and the shops. There's just always so much happening here though in York People view it as a historical city And it is But it's as much a cultural city as as anything else There's literally something for everybody And there's always something happening
0: Well, my trip to York has come to an end, and I think it would be fair to say that few cities rival the charm of York. Full of history, world-class attractions, eclectic shops and stylish restaurants, it really does have it all. But the one thing that struck me most is the feel of York. There's a warmth about the place that makes you want to stay, and the people really are very friendly. This, combined with the welcome you'll receive at the Holiday Inn, makes York the perfect destination for your next short break. To make the most of your visit, pop into one of the two visitor information centres which can be found opposite the art gallery and the train station. And let me just remind you how you can receive up to 35% off your next weekend break here in York or at any of our other holiday and destinations. All you have to do is visit our website, ihg.com forward slash podcast. That's ihg.com forward slash podcast for all the details. I'm Susan Spence. Thank you for downloading the Holiday in York City Guide podcast and enjoy your stay.